0: welcome to the TLDR News podcast. I'm joined today just by Rory Taylor, yes. uh, writer. Um, no one else has turned up today to up. because it's, it's Friday. Friday so um, no one's here. Yeah, um, exactly. Just the dedicated um, yeah. podcasters um, really. We've got a lot of hot takes. We do, we do. We've got a lot to discuss today so usually we will, um, at least for the revived podcast, we will focus on the one topic uh, today. I think there's there's uh, three that we're going to be yes. going to be going through. Um, most of these are related to the the sort of aftermath from the recent um, by elections, the three by elections that took place last week. Um, so yeah, I mean, should we start with you, Les? So yes. the reason that this this is related is because the Uxbridge and South Ruislip by election took place. So Uxbridge is a uh, London constituency, um, which is soon to have. The, the, the people that live there are going to have to pay more money to drive their cars there because of the expansion of the ultra-low emission yeah. zone, or ULES. Um, that has taken place uh, because of a policy of the London Mayor, who is uh, Labour. Now, the Conservatives tried to make that by-election kind of like a mini-referendum on ULES. So their Tory, the Tory candidate um, did a lot of their campaigning on the basis that if you don't like the ULES, vote for us. The Labour candidate did try to distance themselves slightly, um, but ultimately it's the Mayor of London Mm -hmm. that's expanding ULAZ, so it's quite difficult for them to do that. Uh, And what this meant was the Tories did win that seat, narrowly, only by about 400 votes, but they did hold on to it. So that's not actually the end of the story, because um, the London Mayor was actually taken to court, and the High Court ruled on this about whether ulez is even legitimate so i think you uh, might be worth i've spoken quite a lot yeah, here, so I'll jump in. Um,
1: basically uh a, a number of conservative borough councils in london took um sadiq khan the mayor to court to the high court trying to say he didn't have the authority to expand the ulez scheme the consultation was faulty a few yeah. different reasons Um the high court ruled today today being friday i don't know when this is going out but um that they ruled in favor of sadiq khan ula's expansion can go ahead and will go ahead yeah um so they failed in their bid to try and stop it so that's the kind of the legal battle i guess is over now but presumably the political battle that it will still go on in that it will still be a talking point um, yeah but as far as we can tell it's going to happen and sadiq khan has kind of celebrated the the ruling um and i think it's interesting i've seen quite a few commentators say A lot of the opposition to the ULES expansion has been built up before it's happened. And when it does go ahead, after it goes ahead, that in theory, that opposition might decline because they might realize that actually it's not, it doesn't have a wider impact on them as they might expect. Yeah. Because it's something like... 90% 90% of cars in that in the area that's, that it's being expanded to are already compliant with the ULED zone. So
0: the ultra low emission zone, just for people that don't know, it's um, only people with older, more polluting cars even have yeah. to pay this. So I think it's like 2014, 2015 is the cutoff. Um, although diesel, for petrol cars, yeah. diesel cars, I think it's a little bit um, uh, earlier than that. But if you've got a car that doesn't pollute too much, you don't pay this yeah. at all. So it's, it does not affect you. And only a very small proportion of cars are relevant. Now, the reason that this has become quite a large issue especially in labour circles is because the argument is that this affects poorer families more because they're the people who are more likely to have um, more polluting cars older cars now the there is a what's called the scrappage scheme which uh, the london government will give you a little bit of money to get rid of your old car so you can buy a newer one um, but it's not too good so the the main thing here though is that it's exposed these sort of uh, these disagreements, specifically within Labour, because you mm. have the 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 mayor um, actually doing this policy. You have Keir Starmer, who's come out more recently and said that maybe Sadiq Khan, the London mayor, should rethink on this yeah. policy. Then you have the candidate in Uxbridge, the, the Labour candidate, who had tried to distance himself from the scheme itself. So it sort of exposed this. Um, and I think there's been some concern within Labour circles that maybe... Keir Starmer is gonna try and use this as justification to row back some of his um climate yeah. promises.
1: Um it's interesting because I think the the word you use rethink was what Starmer said. Um now that it's been decided that the expansion is lawful and it is going ahead, I don't know how much rethinking there is Sadiq Khan can do. No. Um but it looks like, you know, if you look at what Keir Starmer said in full, he's not he hasn't said we shouldn't we shouldn't do the ULES scheme. We shouldn't, you know, he's not saying we should scrap it or anything. He's talking about making sure that the people who are most affected by it uh, are helped to make the transition they need to make. Um, I also think it's interesting that the the argument about uh, families that are less well off being more likely to have older cars. I guess that is true when you look at car if you just look at families that own cars. But I'm sure that if you just look at the entire population, the people in the kind of less well off bands, Mm. they're they're less likely to even have a car at all, let alone yeah. an older car. You know, these are people who are going to be taking the bus, taking public transport. Um, so I, I am sceptical of that argument that uh, that the expansion of ULEZ is, is worse for people with less money, effectively. Um, but regardless, there is, like you said, there is this debate in Labour. Um, and one of the key dynamics now, I think, when it comes to climate policy and Labour is Keir Starmer and Ed Miliband. So Ed Miliband yeah. is shadow... Uh, I think he's climate, yeah. whatever the new department is called. It's I, something like energy, hmm, yes. energy security and net zero. I think it's, energy, yeah, yeah, I think that's the one. Ed Miliband has been, for, for years now, he's been really big on pushing bold action on climate change, on emissions and things like that. Um, and you're starting to see this tension between what he wants to do and what Keir Starmer wants to do, or the kind of hesitancy of Keir Starmer to make the kind of big commitments on on mm. climate policy. Um, I think we mentioned last week about the Labour have already said they'll delay their £28 billion green investment um, plan if they come into power next year.
0: I think this is what kind of frustrates me slightly about this whole situation. It's that um, you have a situation where the Labour Party has been really trying, especially post-Corbyn, to get their footing in the polls. And they're succeeding in that. Mm. They're They've been ahead by more than ten points, which is which is significant. In some cases, in excess of twenty, and at one point, even thirty points ahead. I mean, that that, that is just just to put that into perspective. In the history of modern polling, you know, the the, the reliable, yeah. frequent polling from sort of the late nineties, you do not see a party, especially in opposition, ahead by that amount for that amount of time. So for like two years. Now, that if you are part of that party and you support them, that's great, but. With that, you are you are given the ability to actually come up with some bold policies yeah. because yeah, you might turn off some people, some more moderate people who might then switch. But if you if you drop two or three points because you're enacting a more bold policy that you believe in, that that's a trade off you're willing to make. I think politics is a lot of trying to trade off, trying to win over and keep moderate voters mm. whilst also um, going for policies that you believe in and that your base believes in, um, and it, there's, there's a constant um, tension between the two. Um, Labour has gone so far towards trying to maintain this moderate yeah. thing that they are really far ahead. I don't even not think willing moderate
1: people off. they're now trying to go no. for. They're people so far into the conservative side of the spectrum that, that it's, it's a party that, that they're reaching so far across that the kind of things they're saying really don't resonate with the, the kind of classic hardcore Labour members. I, I yeah. think they're the ones who are being disappointed by it.
0: I think it is just. I think that's that's the word that I would use. Is it, that it's it's disappointing, especially because it's not it's not even it's not a, a, a huge. I don't think this is, this is something that will I even lose them mm. that much support. You might lose a couple of you know yeah. people who are climate deniers who are. Uh, Otherwise, more moderate but you 're not really turning that many that many people off, and if anything, you're alienating um you know you, you, your base a lot more I just think it's 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 madness yeah that <laughs> they
1: they are rolling back so there much was... of their climate commitments but most of this most of the things they have you turned on or kind of walked back on they do it under the justification of the you know the economics the finance uh, argument, and that is because they 've set themselves these fiscal rules that they want to abide by um and also you see them now using the kind of framing that the conservatives were using at the 2010 election when they were saying there's no money left this is, and you've yeah. got labor saying the same thing but that's how the conservatives justified austerity in the early 2010s mm. and now you've got labor leadership saying there's no money left we've got to, we've got to be careful you know how we spend it and you think this is kind of like an upside down world that we're in it's also it's frustrating
0: that they're they're allowing themselves to uh, I don't know how to phrase this but Mm. they are Letting the conservatives dominate the conversation on yeah, climate change because they're, they're setting the agenda. They're, they're setting the agenda, and and the frustrating thing is, is that Sunak. I mean, we were talking about this in the office today. Is the most right wing prime minister at least since Thatcher. Mm. And specifically on energy, his predecessors have largely been actually quite good. I, Johnson. Yeah. You know, I spoke. We, we spoke about this last over year.
1: This we, trust as well. we can't yeah, yeah, count this she trust, was, Yeah, she
0: Yeah, she's only in forty nine days. No one knows what she did. Yeah. But. Um, of people who were actually prime ministers mm. um you know johnson I, I had my issues with him that's been well recorded we've spoken about this on the podcast before but he had some element of him believed in climate change that it was happening and uh enacted policies that reflected that
1: and Theresa he talked May, about even he, he, i know yeah. rhetoric is is not the same as policy but he actually he wanted to present himself as uh as a green person the he whole, did what was the whole kermit the frog thing he did in a speech he says like it's is, easy. It's be easy being green. Or being something. green, yeah. yeah.
0: And then prior to him, Theresa May um, was the person who put in the the uh, net 2050 zero by twenty fifty um, pledge. David Cameron had his whole uh, his whole green agenda before becoming prime minister, and he's pictured like in the Arctic, I think, Arctic mm. with with some d- doing some publicity thing. Anyway, point is, previous prime ministers, have, uh, conservative prime ministers, have really tried to demonstrate their green credentials. So this isn't this this. This isn't even a left-right issue. Yeah, it's the fact that um, Sunak is so right-wing, and he's trying to, you know, make this a left-right issue when it isn't. And Labour are allowing him to do that, and they are trying to move with him on this, which is just mm. madness to me. Especially when, as I've said before, they're so far ahead in the polls. You should be able to that that, that inherent tension between, you know, doing things that you believe in. Uh, and that your base believe in and trying to appease moderate voters they yeah. have the space to do this and it's not even something that is that inherently political as we brought up
1: so there was the crazy thing from um labors uh, they had a national policy forum recently and Keir starmer talking about the ulez scheme mm. was saying uh the exact quote i think he said we're doing something wrong if policies from the labor party end up on every tory leaflet and you think obviously you don't want to walk into traps with policies you don't want you don't want to do something so bad that it's an obvious you know mistake yeah but generally if you're an opposition party you should be comfortable with the fact that the government are going to attack your proposals and your policies. exactly you shouldn't be designing your policies based on whether they're going to be attacked by the government mm. um but there's no sign that, that that kind of strategy is going to change i think they're going to keep doing that up until the election i suspect yeah but who knows who knows so without me getting more angry let's mm. let's move on
0: um so the other two things that we are going to speak about one of them
1: is younger people in politics which we've we've sort of spoken about a bit before i think let's let's do that now yeah. actually let's let's um this has kind of come off the back of two things one uh the election of kia may the 25 year old mm. uh, as a new labor mp for selby and angsty and the second similar but kind of reverse in a way um is it charlotte owen, charlotte I owen yeah i didn't want to get that wrong charlotte owen uh, has just joined the house of lords age 30 she was mm. a former boris johnson staffer who uh, boris johnson kind of elevated to house of lords in his resignation honors list um and this has kind of sparked a whole debate about young people in politics specifically kind of um you know at not elected to office because obviously one of those isn't elected but young people in national politics i, I guess yeah. would be the right phrase um i kind of want to start with the ian dale tweet just because it's, absolutely yeah yeah i don't I, I don't like dunking on individual people too much but this is this is kind of sums up the the quality of the debate over this i think so there's lots of criticism over uh, charlotte owen going into the house of lords um because she only spent something like two or three years working for boris working in boris johnson's government there's been all sorts of reports about how her um cv has had been slightly uh embellished about the kind of level at which she was working there um to the point where a lot of people quite fairly think she hasn't got the she she hasn't had the experience and probably hasn't done enough to deserve a place in the house of lords that's Mm. what a lot of people are saying so ian dale who's a, a telegraph columnist and radio host i think Um, he said uh her crime is not to be young it's to be conservative this criticism comes from the same people who rejoiced in mary black's election and the election of a 25 year old on thursday in selby the hypocrisy is breathtaking i'm gonna let you jump in yeah i want to jump in on this i think i think the
0: inverse is true about hypocrisy here Mm. and I, i tweeted about this at the time um and i've thought about this since The difference with Keir Mather is that he got his position through campaigning, through um, trust, through working his way up, through. Convincing people to. Through convincing people he was elected. There are people who have elected him that have put their trust in him. He used the democratic system and he, he has been elected. People have put faith in him to be their representative. That's fair. He's twenty five mm. years old. He he pays taxes. He's he's had a job. You know, he is at the age where he can you know sign do up and fight you and can die do an for your country. Yeah. Do everything you can do as an, as an adult. You don't get more votes as you get older. Everyone mm. has one vote. If you're able to vote, you you should be able to be a representative as well. That's how it works. He's by by, by all accounts, he's done that more than legitimately. Yeah. The difference with Charlotte Owen is that, as you say, there's already questions about. Her, her cv but it's the fact that she's been appointed for life yeah. to the upper chamber she can't be removed she won't yeah. be removed keir may that if he does if people don't like how he acts in he the can, next 5 years they can boot him out yeah. that's absolutely their right and that they can they can hold him to account the, the difference and this isn't an argument against the house of lords i think there is, you know there is a legitimate argument to be made that you want an an upper revising chamber just just to ask the house of commons are you sure you want to do this Mm -hmm. full of experts now there is a relevant factor with the house of lords there is a relevant thing with age because with that comes experience and and it's meant to be an experienced chamber a a chamber that has you know collective experience expertise so that they can say to the house of commons are you sure you want to do this the house of commons is, is different you and that's why you can be booted out. If you're not good enough, you can be booted out. The House of Lords, you can't, because you're meant to be an expert. You're meant to be above I, all of yeah,
1: that. Yeah, I, but I. my personal opinion is that I, I... Well, I guess... So I have feelings about the House of Lords that I'm just going to ignore, and let's sure. pretend the House of Lords is the way it is, and we're not going to change that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would be fine with more 30-year-old Lords, but as long as they have experience that kind of means they should... They deserve to be there, or they would be useful to have there. I would... I kind of agree with you
0: in the sense that I, I think that age is an indication of experience,
1: but not always. Yeah, it's not I like mean, it's certainty. like you could not, there'll be, there'll be, it's not a guarantee. you could put a 70 year old in the House of Lords who yeah. also has no rele- who also has no useful or relevant experience. Uh, what I'm saying is if you, have, you could if put you, someone at age 30 who has more important experience if i've got two candidates
0: to go to the house of lords one of them's 30 with five years legal experience and you want them as someone who had you know you want someone in the house of lords with legal experience Mm. just in this example and i have someone who's 60 who has you know 30 years of legal experience i i would rather them in the house of lords
1: yeah i mean you also get to this the the question of you know what what is it actually for because there's a lot of people who have been put in the house of lords who they don't have experience drafting laws or anything like mm. that but they come from communities that have been underrepresented or they've they've come from i don't know the sports world or the media world or all that type of thing where they they do have expertise in these areas that can be useful when crafting legislation the question is do we need another person who has worked for a political party and worked for a politician uh, to go to the house of Lords? i feel like the Experience of someone who's worked in Boris Johnson in Downing Street under Boris Johnson isn't adding much to the House of Lords that the House of Lords doesn't already have. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, yeah, we could easily get into a do we need the House of Lords type debate, which yeah. we don't we, need to we do can now. Park but, that for now yeah. but
0: I think uh, no, that's a very relevant point actually. Uh, you know, I think the difference with the House of Lords is it's not a representative check. The, the point is it's not representing. It's meant to be a, a chamber that is, yeah. is revising things like that, which is why I think experience is, is quite a, a key element to that. Um, I, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, and, and again, I just, the only reason I'm not addressing the point is because I don't want to get too bogged down in yeah. House of you know, um, yeah. about how appointments are made. But you're absolutely right that the House of Lords doesn't need more political appointments. Mm. And I think experts are the things, the, the thing that makes the House of Lords the House of Lords. Mm. Um, and Charlotte Owen, by you know the, the accounts that i've read probably isn't yeah and we should the ideal there was a, candidate there is the some point.
1: there was another per, person i think age 31 um i can't remember his name he's lord lord Kempsel now but um yeah. uh i don't want it to seem like we're just going after charlotte Owen, yeah she, she is course. the youngest of the 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 set that boris johnson appointed and i think she is the youngest in recent history so that's why we are kind of talking about her over the other young person um ross kempsall I, I think it's a, also Ancient 31 compared to her. <laughs> I
0: think it's worth saying as well that I, I know we don't normally do this kind of conversation mm. on the podcast. Um, and I know that there are maybe some opinions that we've raised. And I'd be very interested to hear what anybody else mm. has to think about this. Because I'm, you know, th- these new stories have, have happened in the last few weeks. And I've been forming my opinion on them as it's been happening. But if anyone has anything they want to add, uh, you know, this is going out on YouTube. Yeah. You know, you can leave a comment or you can tweet at us at TLDR, or we at TLDRBen. Ben. Uh, so yeah i'd love to know what everybody thinks about this um but i think the point is that i think ian dale got it the wrong way around yeah i think the, the the key difference is that kia mather's elected you can boot him out yeah charlotte owen has been appointed for life they just with not, very little experience not
1: comparative at all no really um they're two different things on the subject of 25 year old kia mather i was thinking i absolutely wouldn't want to go to the house of commons uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I will when I'm forty or fifty. But age twenty, so I'm twenty-four now. Yes, yeah, so he's twenty-five. You're twenty. I'm, if 24 I'm thinking as well. me next year, I I don't want to do that. I watched after he won the first thing, loads of reporters gathered around and were like, "Do you support Keir Starmer's policy on not scrapping the two-child benefit limit?" And I was thinking, oh, well, I'm, I'm. I know he's he obviously wants to do this job yeah. and he's straight into it, and that's part of the job. It just made me think. No, wouldn't want I mean, to do I, that? I, I feel like we've now discussed this enough that I yeah. I
0: do feel like I need to make a, a a minor disclaimer here.
1: Okay. Uh I'm excited for what this is gonna be. Which is
0: that I I I Kim Either and I are from the same part of the UK. I, I came I came across him a couple of times uh in sort of political circles and I'd i spoken to him. Um mm. again, I I this isn't I'm this shouldn't affect my view <laughs> and shouldn't affect my, saying, my, yeah, yeah. my uh, opinions just on this. I just feel like record. it should be on the record. Um, um, but as I say, I, I'm also separate to that. I'm reading um, Why We Get the Wrong Politicians, and that book sort of explains what it's actually like mm. to be an MP and to get into, I, you know, I highly recommend reading it to anybody that's interested, um, but what it's like in the first few days of becoming an MP. And by all accounts, that must be been s- just an incredibly
1: stressful experience. So, yeah. You know, I'm 24 as well, and I can't imagine what that must be like. I, it'd be weird to be the age I am now and thinking, oh, who am I going to hire as my my staff for this? Like, I'm not, yeah, I couldn't do that. No. It's too too much uh, too much stress.
0: I'm happy doing what we, what we do yeah. here and
1: just, and just the second chatting you about it. Stand for office or you become an MP. Um, we're kind of on a tangent now, but um, you have to have an opinion on everything. Like, you mm. can't just be like, well, I'm not sure about that yet. I'll form my opinion later. Or you can't really afford to not have a strong opinion on something. Suddenly, you need to be.
0: I think you have to be honest. a really specific type of person, yeah. which is that they live and breathe politics.
1: Yeah, like you don't get an off day. You which don't probably get, isn't. You know. Which is a, I don't know. It's a shame because that then puts off. I will say normal people, because I feel like people who yeah. live and breathe politics probably aren't that normal, especially if you want to go to the House of Commons. But uh, yeah yeah, yeah we're not be, we're not be made better we're not those candidates <laughs> no which is fine we do we, yeah but tune in next next week <laughs> when ben announces that he's the candidate for uh wherever yeah 2024 yeah. you'll be 25 by the next election probably i, I so, will be yeah yeah
0: i won't be standing i can say no. that now to yeah. anybody that um anybody expecting a tldr ben candidacy mm. can uh you know get different ideas because that's not happening Okay, so I think that was a little bit of a tangent. So we'll bring it back around and just sort of wrap up a little bit. Yes. I think the podcast today has been a little bit different to normal in the sense we've discussed a few different things. We've also given a bit of a, you know, some opinions. I went on a couple of rants. So again, you know, we are still in the early days of this. So I'd just love to hear what any of you think about it, you know. Yeah, uh, do you... This I kind guess, of format.
1: I, well, there's lots of different ways we could do it, but two ways, for example, you know, do you want to, us to talk about multiple things in an episode or kind of deep dive into one mm. thing i don't know it's hard to know what people want yeah so uh, make sure you let us know uh yeah and we'll be back again next week either in a format similar to this or maybe maybe
0: more the- people will actually be in the yeah. office and uh, uh,
1: we can we'll have, we'll have, we'll have a bigger we'll panel film on a thursday instead of a friday instead yeah Just Hope someone shows up
0: well, anyway, thanks for joining, yeah, Rory. No and problem. hopefully, it won't just be me sort of yeah. talking to the thin air next week, and you, you'll be hearing. I'm here in some other more to the thin air. No, that's uh, true. Yeah. What I mean
1: is, hopefully, you will still yes, be here next week yeah, so I that I won't just, I
0: just have you. to speak to thin air.
1: Well, thanks, thanks for watching, everyone.